Church, what's up? Uh, I'm Jamie. Uh, welcome online. Welcome in person. Um, a couple things. Next week, July 4th, we are online. Give our volunteers a break. And uh, I mean, you'll all probably be somewhere with family watching fireworks or anything anyway. So uh, we're just going online. Uh, keep a lookout in the next coming weeks. We got some events coming up. We have uh, a dinner party planned later in August. We are doing a baptism service in August uh, as well. Uh, actually, dinner party planned in July, baptism service planned in August. So if you're sitting here this morning, whether it be online, uh, we'll figure out how to do that creatively or in person, and you've been especially sitting through this last series, and you're sitting here going, I've never been baptized. Like, I know that Jesus calls us to do that in Scripture. I know there's a participation of the life, death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus that's symbolized through baptism. So if you're sitting here this morning going, I've never been baptized, and I feel like it's time to take that step, let me know, all right? Uh, there'll be, uh, through social media and newsletter and things, there'll be sign-ups for that uh, as we go here in this month. Uh, but... Keep an eye out for that. Another thing that we are starting next week is a new series called Faith Hacks. And the whole idea of it is hacks to uh, grow your faith, especially through this next month. And we are partnering with our other partner churches, which is Cedarbrook in Menominee and Midcurrent in Hudson. So a little brief, quick history. Uh, Cedarbrook planted us. It's our parent church along with a bunch of other churches in our area. And then Mid, uh, the Cedarbrook also planted Midcurrent Church over in Hudson. So uh, every now and then we join together and do this joint sermon series together uh, for a couple reasons. To continue our relationship together. Uh, our plan is to plant many more churches together. So it's to continue that relationship. But it's also to get different speakers up in front of you. That's something I greatly value as your pastor. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I know listening to me every Sunday for an entire year is amazing and wonderful. Uh, don't tell me otherwise if it's not the case. But I want to get more people in front of you to hear different perspectives, different ideas on, on, on different interpretations of Scripture, views on stories, and, and just get other people in front of you so that we could learn together. Uh, that's why we had Sean last week. Sean did a great week uh, preaching a Father's Day message that was awesome. So just know, we've had a speaking team in the past here in Renew, and, and those people have moved on to other ministry opportunities, but it is something that we greatly value as a church, getting more people on this platform to share the gospel and share the word with you. So uh, I wanted to kind of piggyback off of uh, a sermon that I preached a couple weeks ago. And we're coming to the tail end of our Have You Heard series, our series on the Holy Spirit. And there's something that I've just been... Uh, thinking about and praying about, and I mentioned it briefly in the last sermon that I gave before Father's Day, but I wanted to come and revisit it this morning. We've been talking about the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Like, how do you know 
you're growing. How do you know that the church is being successful, whatever that means? Like, how do you measure that? A lot of times we default to numbers, to money, to uh, tangible ways that we measure things in our culture. But biblically, scripturally, it's really the evidence of the Holy Spirit that is the measurement. Right? The measurement that God is moving, the measurement that we are growing in our discipleship in Jesus. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You ask, you may ask, what is that? It's generosity. It's evangelism. It's transformational community. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit being given and being displayed within the body of Jesus, within the church, for the ministry that Jesus calls us to. And it's in the fruit of the Spirit. See, as we abide, as we remain in Jesus, we are attached to the vine, we produce and grow fruit in our lives. Like You don't have to worry about growing the fruit, right? You don't have to worry about what fruit is being grown. The fruit is the byproduct of you and your relationship in Jesus. So a question we've been asking, especially after this last year, what fruit has grown in your life throughout this last year? If you're anything like me, you look at your life and you're going, man, I see a lot of fruit that didn't necessarily grow. I see a lot of places that I struggled, a lot of places where it was revealed to me that I have an issue with this. And I'm immature in this area, or I need to change my thinking, or change my mindset, or work on my relationship with Jesus, or any other thing. Then it gets to be the question, okay, now that I've experienced this, what it feels like to be under pressure, the things that I've seen in myself and in others under pressure, what is my answer to that? And it's... Get back in Jesus. Get back and let the Holy Spirit convict. Let the Holy Spirit teach. Let the Holy Spirit guide. That's what it's all about. The evidence of the Holy Spirit. And I've been thinking, just at the tail end of that last sermon, I I talked about prayer like what are we desiring for what are we praying for as a community of Jesus like what is our focus a lot of times our focus is in the wrong spot but where is our focus from the book called kingdom values there's this quote when a community of people all begin to abide in the spirit live out his power, then the foundation is laid for renewal and revival. Just as we have discussed earlier in the book, there needs to be a personal regeneration, so personal transformation in uh, Jesus, in the Spirit. There needs to be transformation through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, And then ongoing, abiding, and remaining in the empowerment of the Spirit. 
He says, when this happens, among many believers in a local area or church, the body of Christ is built up and the kingdom of God begins to advance in that region. The renewing work happening within the church begins to seep into the larger culture and society. Does that resonate with anyone? Like this is at least half of our purpose, right? Like like half of our purpose is for you and I could come to Jesus as a body of Christ and be transformed in him. But what are we being transformed to? Not just to get to heaven. Not just to like live a better life. You know, it's to go out in this community and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. So it's not just like our good works. It's not that we become good people, that other people would look at our church and go like, oh, they're a bunch of really nice people. No. We failed if that's the view. But I want people to look at our church and go, man, Jesus is alive there. There's something supernaturally powerful that is happening. Through that place in the community, lives are being transformed. There's something that is not of people there. That's the goal. If it stops at just you and I getting to heaven, I think we've missed something very important that you and I are invited to participate in as followers of Jesus. Like, let that sink in. What's our desire? Like, what's our prayer? I, I, I have this feeling that, like, we just need to get our eyes off ourselves every now and then. Like, lift up our eyes. It's easy and natural to to have our minds, our world obsessed by what's happening around us, by what you and I are struggling with, the things that we're up against, the things that we're facing. And all of a sudden, uh, just slowly happens where like that becomes our prayer life. And my encouragement this morning is can we lift our eyes? So it's just not about my struggle. Like, that's not what dominates my prayer life. That is part of it. Like, hear me. Jesus wants to hear that stuff. Like, the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is trying. That's an important part, but that's not all of it. Can we lift our eyes in what we desire for our lives, for our church, for our community? Can we lift our eyes to get off ourselves every now and then? I mentioned this verse, Habakkuk 3, 2. Lord, we have heard your fame. We stand in the awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. We want to see the fame and the deeds of God known in our city and on earth. Like, I got struggles. There's things that you you deal with. There's things you're going through. There's things you struggle with. 
And it's good to pray about it. It's good to do all that stuff. But every now and then, I need to lift my eyes to a greater mission and purpose that Jesus is inviting us into. Can this be our desire in our prayer? Like a couple times a week, can we sit down and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we've heard of your fame. We, like, we read scripture on it. We've experienced this in small ways. I stand in the awe of your deeds. Jesus, Holy Spirit, repeat them in our day. Right here, right now. We want to see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. We want to see miracles. We want to see people come to know Jesus and have their lives completely turned around. Renew them. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. And my question is, can we focus on that in in prayer? Can we make that our prayer? Turn with me to chapter Luke. Uh, Chapter Luke. Luke chapter 11. Let's try that. Chapter, or Luke, I don't know. Uh, So Luke chapter 11. We'll go there. Jesus is teaching. And Jesus is teaching on prayer. And we'll pick it up in verse 5. Suppose one of you has a friend. This is Jesus speaking. He goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because uh, a friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have nothing set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My kids are in bed. Everybody's like in bed for the night. Leave me alone. I can't get up and I can't give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and, and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. We take this story, this illustration that Jesus told, and it's a little bit of a stretch for us to really understand. But in the culture at the day, hospitality was at the top of the list. In the Middle Eastern culture, hospitality is everything. So as people heard this story, uh, you can imagine some would be in shock. What? The man wouldn't automatically get up and just give the man whatever he had, whatever he could? Some would laugh because they would sit there and go, this is not a real story, Jesus. Like, this would never happen. Like, in a culture that is based on honor and shame, uh, someone would never dishonor and disrespect themselves or their guest by just keeping the door shut and not giving whatever is needed. Like, this is a completely different culture than what we live in today. It's a culture of honor and shame. And so the people hearing this story 
would have probably immediately gotten what Jesus was getting at. They would have said, this story is ridiculous. Like, we get your point that you're trying to make. And what is the point that Jesus is trying to make? This is positioned right after Jesus is talking about, this is how we pray to God. Right? Like, look in that little context right above, teaching on prayer. Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And then immediately following says, be bold and persistent in your prayers. Don't stop. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. For so many of us, this needs to be a muscle that is developed in our spiritual lives. We ask, we don't get it, or it doesn't look like what we want. God let me down. We knock and the door's not opened, or maybe like a side door opened way over here, and we're still knocking on the main door, and we're just not getting it. We get upset. This stuff must, must not work. Jesus says, listen, there is something to persistence. There is something to boldness. There is something that bends the ear of God when you keep at it, keep praying. And Jesus kind of wraps it all up and he says, which of your fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would he give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, He'll give him a scorpion. If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you? So I want to encourage us. Keep praying. When we seek, when we knock, when we ask, what does it do? It brings us into relationship with Jesus. It brings us into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So then the Holy Spirit, we can rely on, we can seek to guide us. Persistent prayer, we stay in sync, in step with the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We pour out our souls, we we get it off our chest, we unload our burdens onto someone who can handle it far better than you and I can. Far better. And we spend time. And it helps us be transformed. It also helps us discern what we are to do. And so what if you and I, like, took this Habakkuk 3-2 and just made it our prayer? For the next six months, at least two times a week. Like, let's pray this prayer for our time, for us now, for our church, in our community. 
And regardless what was happening, regardless if we saw anything actually happen, we stuck to it and kept knocking and kept seeking and kept asking and say, Jesus, would you please show up in our day? We've heard of the things you do. Please do it in our day. Can we commit to that? Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, little backstory. Jesus, at the end of the gospel, say, you're to go make disciples, all nations, all people. It comes back in Acts chapter 1 and reminds them, hey, this is legit, this is real. Go make disciples in Eau Claire, in your little community on your block, in Eau Claire, in Wisconsin, in the United States, in the entire world. Like that's the mission that you are to be on if you are following Jesus. That is a non-negotiable And then, well, how are you going to do that? Are you going to do it on your own will, in your own power, with your own strategy? No. Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes down, puts the place on fire. Now, there is this engine inside, this fire burning that is leading the way. It is bringing about transformation that is leading the way and they are going out and slowly you and I are here today because they absolutely changed the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, Holy Spirit comes, the church starts to come together, it starts to be built, it starts to say, hey, we are to be a generous people because Jesus will provide. We are to live lives that we encourage each other, we live in community, we do Bible studies together, like we, we support each other, we pray for each other. And then we go out into the world and share Jesus with everyone. And as we do that, people look and go, this is incredible. I don't know what this is. I'm not used to seeing this. I want some of this. What is it? And then Acts chapter 4. We have Peter and John. They are preaching out in the streets. They get in trouble. The rulers, the authorities don't like it. They tell them to stop. What's Peter and John's response? No, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep preaching. Even though it's risking death. And there's this little line here. This isn't the main point, but I like it. So I'll say it in uh, chapter 4, verse 13. They're having this dialogue. And the religious leaders, the rulers in the city say, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men were with Jesus. How many of you have been sitting here saying, well, I can't share Jesus with anybody because I'm not smart enough. I don't know what to say. What if, what if they have these arguments and, and they come back with all this stuff and I, I, I don't know enough theology to be able to explain anything to them and so I'm nervous so I just won't share Jesus with anyone. Like, it'll just be me and my little self and my little Bible, and I'll walk around, and it'll just be about me and Jesus all all day long. It's okay, but that's, like, you're missing a whole part of the gospel. 
You're missing a whole part of our mission, of our purpose, of how we can participate with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. And I love that these guys, like they're unschooled. They're not that smart. They're not bright. They're not wowing anybody with their oratory skills or, or their knowledge or their uh, vast theology they've built up and studied over the years. No. These just ordinary guys. What's the defining characteristic of them? They have been with Jesus. That's it. I love that part. So many people come up, I can't tell anybody about Jesus. I don't know enough. You're the pastor. You know more than anybody else. You should tell people about Jesus. I can't do it. Guess what? Jesus is calling you to do it. In your context, in your way, in the relationships that he's brought into your life. What do you have to do? Remain. Abide. Spend time with the Holy Spirit in Jesus. That's it. That's what they took note of. So that's a free little reminder for you. If you're spending time with Jesus, if you're praying, if you're reading scripture individually and as a community, go. Go to the people that Jesus puts in your life, the Holy Spirit brings in your life, and open your mouths and tell them about Jesus. Now, some of us need to shut down the keyboards, shut the computers, because it's hindering our witness to the rest of the world. Delete the app off your phone if you can't control your thumbs. And some of us need to change the way we're living so it aligns more with how Jesus would have us live. Because it's really hard to tell somebody about Jesus when you're living the same life they are. When you're doing something in your life that is completely contradictory to the gospel, when you have a view or an ideology in your life that is completely contradictory to the gospel, it's really hard to stand in front of somebody and go, you should believe in Jesus. And they go, oh, why? So I can be like you? Well, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> then what? So some of us need to shut the keyboard, get off the app, don't type the comment so that your witness of Jesus can be preserved because that is more important. Nobody cares what you think about politically. Is that gentle enough for you? But they will look at you and say, wow, there is something about the way that you live, about the way that you interact with other people. There is something about you that is different. And I need that different thing in my life. That is what they'll care about. So, Peter and John. 
They're threatened. They get thrown in jail. They don't know what's going to happen, right? They're talking to the authorities. Like it wasn't okay to stand on the street corner and preach about Jesus in this day. Like this is real persecution that's happening. They're threatened with death. They're threatened with prison. And, and Peter and John, they're released. What do they do? They go back to their people. Back to their community. Back to their church. They say, we have to pray. We have to pray together. And the beginning of their prayer is absolutely beautiful. Their voices together in prayer to God, sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. They quoted some scripture, but I love that framing. They didn't begin with, we are terrified. They began with, God, you are big. You created it all. You hold it all together. That's how they began their prayer. You, God, hold it all together. You are in charge. We are seeking. We are asking. We are knocking. And they said, now, Lord... Consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Again, this isn't to speak your word with a mixture of my political ideologies in it. That might make some people angry. That's okay. It's to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting shook. We're all filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and spoke the word boldly. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what was going to happen to them. They were afraid. That's why they're sitting in a room with all their friends. Praying to an almighty Savior, an almighty God who holds it all together. And saying, we need to go out and preach. We need to go out and live this out so that people know your name. The rest of that chapter in Kingdom Values says this. As the church prays, fasts, seeks the presence and power of God, then the Holy Spirit responds to the cry of his people. This is what we see here. 
after they prayed, the place they were meeting in shook and all were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and preached the word of God boldly. When the Holy Spirit pours himself out on his people, there is a spiritual awakening that occurs in the city. Awakening is when God supernaturally accelerates the spread of his kingdom. When spiritual, social, cultural renewal kick into overdrive and people respond to the gospel in increasing numbers. It's when the Holy Spirit moves through his people, the church, freely and with power. And the gospel is proclaimed boldly. Sick are healed. Hungry are fed. The gifts of the Spirit flow out and God's people build up the body. And those who are far from God repent and come to know Jesus and are transformed in their lives. The kingdom of God breaks through. Like, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want to see? I don't know about you, but life can be kind of boring. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. I want to see the Holy Spirit work in our church and in our community. I want to see things happen that can only be explained by God. Not like us sitting in a room going, well, this is a really good idea. Let's come up with it. Let's, let's execute on this idea. Let's have the right strategy in place. Let's figure out how to raise the funds. Like, I want to be a part of something that can only be explained by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we could all look at it and go, wow, that was incredible. Did you see that? Did you see what you, that was amazing. And we couldn't do it on our own. It only happened through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. What would happen if we took this seriously? We have our job. Jesus has his. Let's not get those two things confused. What is our job? Ask. Seek. Knock. To be the persistent, the bold neighbor. To be the persistent and bold widow. That is continually coming. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Abiding in the Spirit and in Jesus. So as the worship team comes up, I just want us to pray. Can we put Habakkuk 3.2 back up? And maybe you want to jot that down as a note on your phone or something, but I want to have us be praying this as a community. Like, I dare you to pray this prayer. Every week. And we'll see what happens. I'm fairly confident that we will see amazing things 
that the Holy Spirit and Jesus does in our church and in our community. Things that can only be explained because of who he is. Jesus. Jesus, we've heard of your fame. We've heard, we've seen the things that you've done through scripture. We've seen the things that you've done through your servants, through your church. And Jesus, we pray that we would come together, lift our eyes up, and we would desire that, that we would be on mission for you. That we would desire to see you heal. We would desire to see the hungry, the poor around us be fed. We would desire to participate in that. We would desire to be a part of that. We would desire your spirit to be in us, to have its way with us, to convict us, to teach us, to guide us, to bring people in our path that need to know you. We would desire to come together and seek you. Come together and ask, knock for miracles, for your presence, for your spirit to be poured out and for our church and our city to be absolutely transformed by your power in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.